For the middle of May, there has been a surprising amount of news for the Blue Jays the last few days. Ross Atkins, the general manager, spoke to the media on Wednesday, and Ethan D. Mandis and I, Mitch Bannon, will break down our biggest takeaways from his answers in this episode of the podcast. We're also going to discuss this weekend's series against the Reds and the return of Canadian baseball star Joey Votto, who Ethan was able to talk to alongside some other reporters on Wednesday. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast. Ethan, I think it's a little bit of a happier vibe than last time. They dropped the series finale on Wednesday, but it seems like they got a much needed series win against the Mariners. What's kind of your state of the union right now? Well, when was the last time we were recording? What was the state of the union last time? Uh, Disarray is probably how I would describe it. It was pre the Rays series. The offense wasn't doing so hot. It was off the Yankees series, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was big sad for Jays fans, for the Jays. But yeah, no, um, the three-gamer against Seattle was decent, I thought. Um, game one, Yusei Kikuchi looked awesome against his former team. I think that was probably his best start of the year. I think it was six innings, one hit. Um, great. Um, and then was it game? No, it was game one that the offense kind of broke out as well, right? Chapman, the home run, the yeah. home run. That looked good. Yeah, that was solid. Um, and then in game two, we saw um, Jose Brios have his best start of the year. So the, the rotation has been awesome and, you know, still waiting for the, the bats to come around. But I think the another big takeaway from game two is the bullpen. Right. Romano's been Jordan Romano's been out with uh, a GI infection, some kind of illness. We saw him. He had um, a little bit of tape on his elbow, probably from an IV bag. We we're thinking so he's been really sick. Um, Tim Meza has been on the injured list. Um, yeah, not a, uh, not a great state for Toronto's bullpen, but they're, you know, they're holding down the fort. And then yesterday, it was, it was another one of those lull games for, for the Jays. I think like they didn't really generate much on offense. It was a, a bases loaded walk. I think by Marco Gonzalez was all of Toronto's one run scored. And then Teoscar Hernandez got picked off. It was it it was a it was a crappy third game, but Toronto came really close. Um, and I think the bullpen is something we wanted to focus on a little bit um, in this episode because you know they're doing okay, but certain guys aren't exactly pitching up to their standards, which have been you know high in the past. But there, there's more there, and and Toronto isn't isn't quite hitting hitting their stride. I'd say. Yeah, I completely agree. I think late game situations have been good to the Jays so far, at least in that first little run, but they could definitely use some more swing and miss in the pen. Uh, Before we get to that, I think what we can bet on is that the Blue Jays will probably go out and get some more swing and miss. And I don't know if this is something you can actually bet on uh, maybe later closer to the deadline. But on that note, we want to kind of thank our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's really easy to get started. You can go on the website or mobile device and sign up using our promo code. It's believe spelled B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, I don't know. Do you think they're going to go out and get someone? Would you bet on that? Or do you think they kind of have the in-house options? I guess Ross, Ross Atkins spoke about it yesterday. So what do you think uh, based on what he said they're going to do? Yeah, I think. Well, so let, let's, let's use last year as an example. I mean, the bullpen was a disaster last year, but when did they swing the, because it was Richards that came first in the trade or Simber. They were very close to each other. I think they were both late June, and I believe Simber was the first move. Okay. And the ultimate fleecing of the Atkins era. <laughs> what a move. Like, that's that's going to quietly go down as, like, the best trade in recent baseball history. It's like, I don't know, the Babe Ruth trade one, Adam Simber trade two. Yeah. It was like, someone talked about it on Twitter. It was like, picked up Simber, and then, like, Joe Panic predictably went and had, like, a 380 OPS with with the Marlins in like 50 games and that was I it. think he was worth minus 0.1 war like a whole I mean minus 1.0 war like yeah. a whole negative win yikes anyway I, I think from what Atkins talked about is he said something to the extent of like we're looking at it or we're looking into it right the the, the lack of swing and miss they're they're looking um to improve but I think right now he's emphasize that that's going to come from in-house options and he thinks there are guys on Toronto and Toronto's bullpen that um, can they can get more from essentially and, and you and I have been kind of looking at the numbers and seeing why Toronto's you know I think they were 7.3 case per nine before uh, Wednesday's game so that was like in the bottom five teams in the league not good from your bullpen um, not what you wanted and I think that starts with, you know, a guy like Jimmy Garcia, right? Who's been all right, I think, this season. Um, but we haven't seen the nastiness from him that, you know, Toronto probably expected when it signed him to, you know, a, a contract worth $5 million a year. Um, he's been he's been all right, but but he hasn't been filthy, I guess. You know, what have you seen from Jimmy? And, and you know, what do you think might be able to help him? Yeah, I think it's interesting because he's still been effective. He hasn't been like dominant by any means, but he's kind of filling the role they want him to. There's been a couple blips. He's let up like some of his blips have been he lets up a double or he lets up a single, someone steals a base, and then he lets up another single. Like it's not the worst ending in the world. It's just cost them because of the close games they're playing in. Uh, but yeah, I think his strikeouts per nine is half, basically half his career normal right now. And he's a big spin rate guy. He's got the big curveball. He's got a lot of different pitches. So you'd kind of expect the swing and miss for him to tick up. And I think it's probably just maybe a new division pitching to new guys. They've faced, faced some good lineups and he's pitching in big situations. So he's going to take outs however he gets them. He's going to maybe pitch to contact because he's got a guy on first base. I would expect that to kind of balance out over the course of the season. But there's no doubt they need other guys back there to kind of complement him. And I know we were looking at some potential options for them to go get, like I was talking about earlier, kind of slim pickings, not a whole lot of really good expiring guys. Uh, do you think maybe this is a, a tease? I'm asking for a specific answer here. Is there a guy maybe rehabbing from a, an interesting illness in AAA or sorry, not in AAA yet that you think could fill in that hole? Guy who has the kissing flu and is six foot six and, his uh 
first name is Nate and his last name is Pearson. I think I know the guy. Yeah. And it, when we were talking about like you and I were going through the list, like, okay, like who is like really nasty in the Jays bullpen, like has nasty stuff, throws hard. We're like Jordan Romano and nah, no one else really. Right. And then your mind immediately goes to Nate Pearson. And, you know, if you called him up today and he had his, his good velo and his good slider, he's probably, you know, got the best stuff in that Jays bullpen. I would say, you know, we saw him last year in September, you know, pitching against the Yankees in that big series, um, second last series of the year. And he was throwing a hundred, he was throwing a hundred miles an hour. And he looked like a dominant, dominant pitcher. Um, it's taken him a very long time to get back. Um, I, and I, we know that mono is not exactly like a linear illness and that it can take longer and you can be very tired. And, you know, he told me he was tired when he was back rehabbing at Rogers center for a brief bit. So obviously, you know, we hope that he's, he's recovering well and he's not suffering any type of setback. Um, but hopefully he's back soon because, you know, we're going to get into June and they need him. I think, I think they need him not necessarily as a starting pitcher, but they certainly need some different looks in the bullpen because right now guys are sitting on some not ordinary pitches, but you know, nothing dominant. There's no Michael King in Toronto's bullpen, right? No, there's no Miguel Castro. You know, there's no, there's no guys that, that, that can zip the ball and, and spin it quite as well as those two. So uh, Nate Pearson, super important. I understand he was throwing a, the next step for him is facing live hitters. So he's, he's in Florida at the PDC. Uh, he's supposed to throw a live batting practice soon. So we'll see how that goes. And then, you know, hopefully he'll be in Buffalo soon. Yeah. I think from what GM Ross Atkins was talking about on Wednesday, was that, on? yeah, I guess that was ahead of Wednesday's game. Um, one kind of note that I thought was maybe newsworthy that maybe slipped by until I kind of re-listened to what he said. He said, obviously, he has the weapons to be the swing and miss guy they need. He mentioned him kind of intangentially to his talk about the bullpen. It came up because someone asked, hey, does Nate factor into this? But then he also mentioned, obviously, they've been saying this. They want him in a bulk world. They've been saying that for months, basically since the end of last year, since he, they figured out what his illness was. But he also said he needs to be built back up and get into AAA games. That's kind of the first time I think they've said explicitly what their plan is for him. And it was kind of in passing. Uh, but so it sounds like he's going to pitch. He's going to get a little bit built up and then he's going to go to AAA. I kind of wonder if in AAA that's him starting games and pitching three, four innings. Is that him getting used to coming out of the pen, getting hot for three, four innings out of the pen? I'm kind of curious how they go about that. But yeah, I think next time we really get good eyes on Nate Pearson, it'll be in AAA games, probably in the next couple of weeks if things go well. And then I doubt he's there long if he looks good, because you're right. They, they could really use him in this major league bullpen. Uh, yeah. But beyond. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I said, well, we may end up in Buffalo watching him there. If, uh, yeah, we true. Get a chance, so we'll see. Yeah, I would definitely be interested to go down and see what he looks like. Uh, another guy who's there, Julian Merriweather, I think Ask Atkins mentioned as a potential swing and miss option. He is kind of like we mentioned nastiness when we talk about the ceiling of nastiness, he's like maybe the number two or three potential guy in this bullpen in terms of strikeout swing and miss and just that fastball changeup combo. Uh, but beyond the relievers, there was a few other things that Atkins talked about of note. I'll, I'll let you take it whatever direction you want. What kind of stuck out to you most? Yeah. I think the prospect chit chat was good. 
right? Um, obviously, when you get a chance to talk to the GM, you want to ask about the prospects. Um, and starting at the top, I guess we, you had a chance to ask him about Moreno uh, and, you know, what he's seen from him and, you know, you know, what's, what's next? What else can Moreno be working on? Because, you know, he seems to be doing so well at AAA. He's, he's got to be close, right? So what Ross Atkins told us was, um, he's still waiting kind of on him to develop. He said, what he said was behind the plate, the throwing and the blocking looks great. He says like the receiving was the, was that third element that uh, the team is kind of working on. And we saw that with Moreno taking those reps off the pitching machine. When we went to Buffalo, uh, he was working on his receiving just like any of the other catchers. Um, and so then the second thing was game calling, I guess. And Atkins had an interesting note there that uh, I kind of grabbed onto. He said some of that development will come at the major league level. Um, and then he kind of like quickly walked quickly it back, walked it back and said, but yeah. hold on, we have three catchers that we really, really like here. So he says, when I say that, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, and, but he, you know what he did? He used a good comparison and he compared Moreno to Alejandro Kirk. And he said, you know, look how far he's come. And uh, I think that's a good comparison because Kurt came up, good bat, right? Good bat to ball skills. I mean, apart from obvious physical differences, I think Kirk and Moreno are kind of decent comparables in terms of other offensive profile. Obviously, Moreno is more athletic, and that's that's another thing that Atkins talked about. Um, but yeah, so you look at Kirk, came up really quick. Um, defense was lagging behind a little bit. And now after... You know, he, he, he's had parts of two seasons in the majors, and now this is his technically his third season. Uh, he's looked really solid on defense. You know, the arm has been good, blocking, game calling. Uh, I think that's that was a good comparison, and I think, you know, who knows when Moreno will, will end up here. You and I speculate perhaps after the Super 2 deadline, um, which is in June or July, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm always focused on that first deadline, the extra yeah. service year one, the super two later, ones, maybe a it's little later. over my head. So uh, interesting. Um, he mentioned pinch, uh, excuse me, pitch calm as something that uh, could help young catchers. And I think I think that's interesting because, you know, every pitcher at the major league level, at the minor league level, you know, you have to get used to their, you know, their intricacies and their you know, their little preferences. So some guys, you know, might want different signs with the guy on second, you know, some guys, it, it, it could be different. And so Pitchcom offers this universal solution that makes it real simple. You hit a button and the pitcher hears what, what the pitch is. And, and then you go from there. So um, Pitchcom isn't allowed at the AAA level, which I think is weird. Yeah. I thought that um, was weird too. That was news to, I think both of us. Yeah. So it yeah, obviously I mean, would help him at the major league level, but it's then also a new technology that these young guys have to get used to. Well, we saw like guys working out the kinks with it in spring training and stuff. Like sometimes it doesn't work or you can't hear them. I think within a couple of weeks that goes away. Um, so yeah, that was, that was, that was really interesting. I think that he, the most interesting part being that he says some of that development comes at the major league level, which is how I took it. Basically Reno's ready for the majors. He's ready. He's ready, you know, as a hitter, he's ready with his Ross skills as a catcher. Uh, he just needs the experience and, and hopefully that comes soon. Yeah. How I also took it on top of all of those things is that you can't like simulate 
the confidence needed to be catching Jordan Romano in the ninth inning and put down the slider, like, like call for the slider as a catcher. You can't like simulate that in any way. And, and as a catcher, you kind of have to be, I'm, you know this better than I, but in control, you can't kind of be a passenger to your pitcher along for their game plan. You guys have to be on the same page because ultimately you're the one putting down the signs. If mm-hmm. it's pitch calm, if it's with your fingers, you're the one calling the pitches. They can shake off, but you're the one who makes the first decision and then they agree to it. Uh, so I think that's kind of, I took it as, and Atkins mentioned, you see the confidence in Alejandro Kirk, and I think he's 100% right. Like Kirk wants guys to run on him right now. He seems to really like throwing them. He's had a couple back pick opportunities. He's been framing really, really well, and he's catching some of the Jays' best starters. That's learned confidence, and that can really only come when you're catching Kevin Gossman at the big league level, when you're catching Hyunjin Ryu, who's almost double Moreno's age. Like, you can't do that in AAA. Catching Casey Lawrence is not the same as catching Hyunjin Ryu. It just isn't. Yeah. Um, the Alejandro Kirk part, for sure, with the, with the confidence. And he, either Monday or Tuesday, you know, Julio, I guess Tuesday, because Jansen caught on Monday, but Julio Rodriguez stole the base on him in the earlier innings. And it was close, but he just got him. And then... He tried it again and Kirk got him on a, on a great throw. I think it was a pitch that was really far to his right, to his backhand. And he kind of just got on top of it enough to stop the tail and they got the tag down. So that was great. And yeah, when you talk about confidence, for sure, imagine catching Jordan Romano and you, you know, and things are getting away from you. I think the biggest learned skill as a catcher at a high level is to slow the game down that calculus that you have when, you know, you're reading a sky swing and you're figuring out what comes next. And then you have to remember guys' natural tendencies or what they hit last time. Um, And then, you know, all the while you have to have the assertion to, you know, drop down a pitch, maybe that Jordan Romano doesn't want to throw. And even if you, the catcher who, as a catcher myself, I would say you would probably know it better. I mean, it's a give and take relationship with pitchers, but, you know, in a case where it's Moreno and someone like Romano, you know, Romano, uh, combine their names there for a minute. <laughs> um, Romano may shake and Moreno, you know, might shake back and say, hey, listen, throw this. So that's a that's a difficult part for a young catcher to grasp onto. But, um, you know, by all accounts, I think uh, Moreno's uh, progressing quite nicely and Atkins expressed that. Yeah, another guy Atkins expressed is progressing quite nicely and his recent promotion kind of speaks to that as Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, I'm just going to read a quote here because I think it kind of says all we need to know about this guy. We don't even have to spend that much time on him, but Atkins said on Tiedemann, who's, if you don't know, a left-handed starter who just got called up to high A after dominating Dunedin. Uh, Atkins said he has the stuff to compete right now in the major leagues. This guy's a 19 year old for context. Atkins didn't say that. That was me interjecting. Uh, and then Atkins continued. It's a matter of being really consistent and building workload. This is a guy who it's his first season pitching for Dunedin. He had six starts and they're like, okay, kid, you're going up. You got a 1.8 ERA. You're striking out 15 batters per nine. We know you're too good for this level. And it became very clear. Uh, I wrote a little bit about him and I found it interesting that Atkins kind of spoke to the same things I was hearing from pitching coach Drew Hayes and looking at the numbers, it's really been the slider development for him. Uh, Atkins mentioned his spin rates. He mentioned his slider on top of like the 97 mile an hour fastball and the really good changeup he has. 
he's been he was starting to throw his slider more and more and more during those six starts. I'd be curious to see. I believe he pitches on Friday, his Vancouver debut, how much he's tossing that slider. Uh, but yeah, it, it sounds like he's going to be a quick riser. And he was getting only good reports on Tiedemann and Moreno, which is good to hear for the state of the Blue Jays farm system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks good. And he talked also about um, going to a high A game or no low A, low A probably, right? Yeah, yeah. going to a Dunedin game with CC Sabathia, which is hilarious, but less hilarious because or or more hilarious because they played on the same team, right? You said, is it Akron Rubber Ducks? Is that what they're called? I think that's what they're called now. I think they're the Akron Arrows back then. Okay. A little less of a fun minor league game. <laughs> yeah, this is way back when Ross was a minor league reliever and CC Sabathia was like the hot new thing in the Cleveland organization coming up. They were yeah. very briefly teammates for like a minor league playoff run once. So hilarious that to picture them watching a baseball game together. Um, but that was a game that um, the, the Blue Jays ended up striking out 24 of 27 hitters. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so even more cool when I, I think the starter of that game was Nick Frosso, who's a recent draft pick who had, I believe it was Tommy John surgery. And this was his first outing back. And he struck out almost every single batter he faced. And he was throwing like harder than he was pre Tommy John. And like, that's, uh, he was a pretty high draft pick too. And a, a guy they were definitely interested in and a guy who always threw hard. And now he's like tossing hundred miles an hour. So maybe he'll be the new Ricky Tiedemann in a few mm-hmm. weeks that we can talk about rising up the Blue Jays system. Yeah. And, and moving forward, you know, Toronto has an interesting series against Cincinnati this weekend. I maybe not as much confidence because you could see this maybe Cincinnati steals one, maybe they steal two just because of some of Toronto's mental lapses lately. But um, the star of the show, I guess on Cincinnati would be uh, Toronto's very own Joey Votto, who initially it looked like wouldn't make the trip to Toronto, but um, the Cincinnati Reds PR team arranged a Zoom call with Votto, who's uh, rehabbing in Dayton, Ohio. That's Cincinnati's high A affiliate. Now he's rehabbing in the sense that he had COVID um, and it took him out of commission for quite, quite a while. I think he said eight or nine days where he was, you know, on the couch. Um, and he's used this time, I guess, in high A to mentally reconfigure himself and also get back into shape physically. Um, because he admitted he's playing poorly and he was through 22 games. You would, you wouldn't even be able to guess the slash line, Mitch. What do you think his, what do you think his slugging is? Okay. I was going to say, even if he's hitting 150, he's probably got like a 250 OBP because it's Joey Votto, but uh, slugging percentage. If you're asking, I know he hasn't been great. I haven't looked at the stats though, but I would guess like 210. I don't know. Something really bad. Yeah. You're good on the OBP part. Um, so his he's he's batting 122. Okay. 278 OBP. Oh, great. Classic <laughs> Joey Votto. <laughs> and uh a 135 slug. So yikes. How many no, is that? No home runs, no one extra, extra base, base hit. I think one extra base okay. hit through 70 something plate appearances. Uh so weird big because yikes. he was so good last year, too. Yeah. Like, so I, good. It's interesting with Votto because he's such a cerebral uh hitter. Um so throughout that discussion, you know, a lot of things came up. Um, Shai Davidi of Sportsnet kind of asked Joey about the World Baseball Classic, which is coming up in 2023. Qualifiers are in September of 2022. Votto said he's undecided. Um, he, he's, he's had teammates ask him if he's going to play, Canadian teammates, and he says he's unsure. Uh, he's 38 years old, so it's, you know, maybe 
it would be his last kick of the can, but if he isn't feeling it, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a pass. And he said, you know, if he does go, he wants to make sure he's ready and not, and this is a quote, embarrass himself on the world stage. So I think Votto is someone who, who takes quite a bit of pride in how he performs and looking at his track record. I mean, he's done nothing but perform. Um, and he said something kind of philosophical and interesting so much so that I had to take note of it. You know, he, he talked about, you know, as he's examining his approach and himself uh, this season during the rehab, because his, because his major league stats have been so poor. He says he's trying to trick himself into thinking like his back is against the wall because he's found that that usually brings something out in a player. He says when you're pressed to like, you know, the lowest point, you know, this is when you, you can, you can find something. And I think that's kind of what he's, he's going for now. Very interesting. He's very candid, of course, as he always is. Um, but he's also very happy to come to Toronto. Um, one reporter asked, you know, you're coming back home. You know, what are you most excited to, to see? Are there any, you know, places you want to go? Like, do you want to go sightseeing? What do you want to do? And he says, I want to see the middle of a baseball flying off my bat towards the windows at Rogers center in a, so in a very, very flat. specific site. He doesn't <laughs> care at all about going to see Niagara falls. <laughs> no, he in classic, I, I knew I was, well, I was hoping to walk away from that zoom call with at least one Joey Votto esque answer. Um, yeah. He, he grew up real close to Rogers center. He says about 11 kilometers, which is seven miles. He said, made sure to specify that for the, uh, the American reporters. Um, yeah, I was I was partially hoping to hear something funny from him, which we did because I have a Joey Votto story, and I'm sure Mitch has probably heard it. Um, but I'll tell it to our listeners because I'm sure they're saying yes, yes, Ethan, please share. Um, For context, Ethan played very high level baseball. He was a catcher. <laughs> if you haven't picked it up, so that might that might give some needed context to this story. But go ahead, share the Votto very story. very high level is debatable, but no, I don't think so. <laughs> So I, I played on the same um, youth team that Joey Votto did when he was younger, and that's the Etobicoke Rangers. Um, and when we were 16 or 17, you know, Joey Votto would, uh, was invited to come to our practice just to speak and to just, you know, give a few pointers here and there. Um, and so we were all super, super nervous. And I was already a, an anxious person and an anxious hitter. Um, and so I remember Votto came in on his bike. He biked to the pro teach facility that we trained at. And um, it was one of our first practices of the year. And, you know, I, I stepped into the cage and it was front toss. So it was just like underhand toss from one of the coaches. And everyone was like super tight and clenched because Votto was watching. And I, I remember vividly that I like swung and missed at like at least four pitches on front toss and like fouled one off. And just like my vision was something was wrong. And I was, I was so nervous. So when I left the cage, Votto pulled me aside and he said, Hey, you know, I can, I can see that, you know, you're, you're struggling, but like it, you still look good. Like, here's what we're going to do. So he took me aside and he took, you know, five minutes and he was very, you know, articulate and, and he, he delivered a message that obviously he he'd done before. He's like, here, let's take this tea. And he raised the tee high and he said, here, we're going to work on hitting it the other way on a high inside tee. He says, choke up and do this and do that, all kinds of stuff. And so that's something that I, uh, I always remember about Votto. And I think it, when you talk about his approach, I mean, him choking up, going the other way, 
hitting line drives. You see where it comes from. If those are the drills that he's emphasizing. Um, so yeah, Sue Joey Votto with a two strike approach. This is what a foreign concept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, I think he's one of the best pure hitters that I've seen in terms of, you know, I, I like guys who are patient. I like guys who take their walks and choke up and never pop up. He's famous for that. Never popping up the infield though. He's done it uh, obviously a little bit. Um, yeah. So that's my super long winded Joey Votto story. Um, I guess before, before we wrap things up, we should mention that on the theme of being Canadian, that uh, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. received his Tip O'Neill Award um, on Wednesday. That's awarded to the best Canadian baseball player every year. Joey Votto has won that award. Yeah. I think we were like Larry Walker. What was it? Double digits? How many nine. Nine for Larry Walker. Not quite. A couple for Jason Bay, I think. I think it was five or six for Votto. Uh, one Eric Gagne I'm trying to remember the list. I don't think Michael Saunders ever did it, but, um, yeah, an interesting list of Canadians. Vlad's got one now. Um, definitely not going to be his last I'm guessing. Um, Unless Jordan Romano, you know, really 0.8 ERA 90 save seasons rattles off a few. It'd be hard for Vlad to beat those ones. I would still, if I was using uh, bet online, I would, I would pick. I don't know if they have Tip O'Neill odds. That would that would be a niche <laughs> bet. But yeah, I would pick Vlad. I think Vlad is probably a pretty safe bet on that too. Just before we do wrap up, I also wanted to mention something I'm excited for. Everyone's excited to see Joey Votto come to town for the Reds. Maybe this is the the Blue Jays baseball geek in me. I'm pumped to see the Brandon Drury and Connor Overton returns. Those are two franchise cornerstones and icons that we will see back. Brandon Drury, you mentioned this to me. If you haven't looked at his stat line good he's going this year he's been like the reds best player and connor overton's been their second best player so uh yeah those are a couple names that people will find familiar there's also like really good pitching matchups luis castillo hunter green Green, overton i think starts that third game Uh, the reds do suck right now just objectively worst team in the league but i think this could be a surprisingly fun series yeah I, i i think so too i think it'll be i think it could be good for toronto to just like relax a little bit and like take the stick out their butts because, you know, they, they feel like they have to press and play good teams. I mean, it, it definitely works the other direction too, like where you'll see good teams have let down games against like really crummy opponents. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think a slow moving series uh, against a team like the Reds could be, could be really helpful for Toronto. And, you know, they haven't had a sweep this entire season. They've come really close. They came close. Um, on Wednesday, but they still haven't done it. They couldn't do Texas. Uh, they couldn't get Boston and any of those Houston. Nope. So this is their, probably their best chance of the year to get a sweep. And I think the, you know, uneven sentiment among Blue Jays fans will correct itself. If Toronto walks away with three of three this weekend. Yeah, I think so. But then we're also setting ourselves up for a dangerous, like anything that's not three or three might feel like a disappointment. And one and one and two would feel like a really big disappointment. So they can maybe take the pedal off the gas a little bit. So they're not pressing, but they got to stay focused too. You can't be the team making the mistakes in the Reds Blue Jays series. The Blue Jays got to be the better team and they got to show it. I think getting an early lead would be huge, but if they get down, we'll see. It'll be a fun series. Maybe it's a even more happy tone next week we keep trending in the right direction or maybe you trend in the wrong direction uh but we we will find out and we'll be back where you're listening to us in a week's time thank you for listening 
to this edition of the Inside the Blue Jays podcast presented by Bet Online.